Now, here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Norrie with you. Leslie Mitchell-Clark with us. Toronto-based certified clinical hypnotherapist who specializes in a number of modalities, including working with individuals who feel that they might have had experiences with extraterrestrial beings. And most of this work has uh, just been fantastic, as well as metaphysical therapy, such as past life and inner life regression, all takes place at Leslie's Toronto Hypnosis Clinic at Lightwork Hypnosis. Leslie is also currently the director of LMC Media, offices in Toronto and in New York City, her hometown. Leslie, welcome to the program. Oh, George, thank you so much for having me. I'm I'm very honored and excited to be chatting with you. I'm told by a little birdie that you and I met in Toronto at our live event at the Queen Elizabeth Theatre. We absolutely did. Now, I didn't get to dance with you, I must say that, but we did have a nice little chat uh, after the show. I was with my friend Sid Goldberg, and uh, it was uh, very, very nice to meet you in person. And it's been a while since you've been to Toronto. I think uh, I think it's time to come again. I do. Absolutely. <laughs> it's too long. And is that our buddy Sid from Gaia? Yes, yes. That's our mutual buddy Sid from Gaia. Yes. He's a good guy, hard worker. Indeed. Hard worker. How did you get involved in all of this? Well, you know, George, I've always been fascinated with ufology since uh, the earliest memories that I have. My dad had a telescope and we watched the skies. But um, I think that um, the thing that was most determinant of my work were my own personal experiences that happened uh, when I was about 16 or 17 years old. And I was uh, away uh, working at a summer stock theater as an apprentice actor, and uh, I had not only many, many sightings during, you know, one specific summer, but I had the occasion to... um, to know that one of my one of my company members uh, was a gal, and I believe that she's still living. I've tried to find her. Uh, she'd be a little bit older than myself, but uh, she was a company member and um, it admitted rather to me that one of the reasons we were having all these sightings and all of this craft uh, was obvious during the summer is because she had a uh, another job where she was a communicator uh, who worked with the government. Uh, she normally lived in Las Vegas, and I guess every day or so, you know, she'd get on the, the plane wrap plane mm-hmm. at the plane wrap uh, <laughs> airport, and they'd take her out to Dreamland or uh, Dulcie, one of the bases out there, and she worked in uh, telepathic communication. She was very, very psychic, naturally psychic person. She was one of many, as I understand it. And she had decided that she no longer wanted to work in this area. It was exhausting. Uh, I I can only imagine what that would be like, being so involved with the government in that way. So she uh, she tried to leave, and one of the things she was doing to escape was uh, coming to work at a summer theater. Unfortunately, it was not an escape. Uh, She was... um, constantly being, um, how shall I say, contacted by by craft and government people. And I even saw one day, and George, this is, this is actually the truth. It is so unbelievable, but it's true. Uh, we were, uh, I was lounging at the snack bar, something I really excelled at. <laughs> I was huh. lounging at the snack bar, and I saw this 
late model. Uh, it was probably like a Chrysler Imperial, one of these really giant old black cars. The total classic idea of what you would imagine from the men in black. And the car pulled in uh, to our theater and pulled up outside of where my friend's uh, living quarters were. And out of this car came two, I'm going to call them beings, um, and I was only about 20, 25 feet away, so I got a very good look. And these beings uh, had very unusual skin. It looked, if w- without a better description, it looked very plastic-like or yeah. plasticky. Yeah. So there were these beings, and they were wearing um, retro 1940s-style suits and fedoras, the the entire uh, cliche that we have been told about so many times. Now, one of the unusual things about these these visitors is that they were wearing the, their their pants were very high up. The cuffs were way high up and they were wearing what looked like orthopedic shoes, heavy, heavy shoes that they seemed to barely be able to move. So I have often wondered if they were weighted in some way, mm-hmm. but at any rate, they went into my friend's uh, accommodations, and they were in there for about 15 minutes. I was about to just bust in. Well, there's your 16-year-old with no frontal lobe. You know, what was I going to do in there? But I was about to bust in, and um, they came out before I had a chance and just drove away. And she said that they had been there, you know, trying to manipulate her and convince her. But I guess this had to be something that she did with free will. I uh, that can right. she wasn't imprisoned, but uh, that was my that was my very profound experience of that summer that I was sixteen, and um, and you never it, obviously you never forgot it. Never forgot. I never forgot. And George, the sightings of craft. Every time we drove into town, every time I drove into the Custer with this particular gal. Uh, we were we were followed by what I would call very traditional sort of Betty and Barney Hill type craft that were very disc like, not cigar shaped, uh, certainly not any of the V's, the TR threes, or any of that stuff. They were uh, they were very much disc like craft, and I got they got close enough at certain points where I could even see windows. So it was it was quite something. Now, how did you lead into hypnotherapy? Well, I have always been involved in mental health care. And um, when I was at university around this same time, I uh, became a psychiatric aide and I worked all night long at a, uh, um, a state mental institution. And, you know, this was, this was a while back. This was really just even before uh, they had psychotropic drugs. I was, uh, you know, there were straight jackets and padded rooms, you know, the whole, yep. the whole thing you would imagine. And um, so my interest in mental health care continued, and I eventually became uh, what they call a psychiatric technician, which is like a psychiatric nurse. And um, I continued to have a to work to support myself and my various efforts. Uh, I worked in various rehabilitation centers. So I've always been involved in um, in mental health care. And I reached a point in my life where I felt that there had to be something more, that I had a, and this sounds very corny, but I felt as if I had a, a greater calling than uh, what I was doing. And um, my husband, bless his heart, bought me a past life regression with a um 
with a hypnotherapist. Were, and I were, went through were, that experience. You were, the, you, you were the patient, right? I was the patient, and the experience was so illuminated, but illuminating, but it was illuminating in the sense that I felt this is something that I can do. This is something I was born to do. I can do this. I can help people. And it was it was really like a, a huge epiphany. And not long after that, I, I went back to school, and then I went to the Ontario Hypnosis Center, which was run by your friend, Dr. Georgina Cannon, mm-hmm. my mentor. And um, uh, that was the beginning of the last 15 years of, uh, of work, uh, particularly in regression, and work particularly focused on individuals who have either believe they have had experiences or have had legitimate experiences. When you first started uh, hypnotherapy with these people, Leslie, what did you think personally? Well, uh, I kept an open mind. Okay. Um, and at that point, certainly, uh, George, as you can imagine, not everybody who approaches me for therapy uh, is an experiencer. Right. So, um, uh, you know, I... I some, Always, some could have a mental illness, right? Oh, indeed, indeed. And it's my responsibility to sort that out. Exactly. And, which I do before I see anyone. I have an extended phone consultation at the very least for an hour at least. And by that time, by the time I'm done with that, I have a pretty good idea of uh, whether or not that person has is a legitimate experiencer. Years ago, years ago, when I was 21 years old, I interviewed the, the psychiatrist of Barney and Betty Hill. Oh, my goodness, really? Dr. Benjamin Simon had yes. his office in Boston, and I mentioned this uh, just uh, a few days ago, but oh my I asked him a specific question, and I said, Dr. Simon, are they telling you the truth? And he said, I don't know what happened to them, mm-hmm. but all I know is whatever they think happened to them, they're not lying about it. Indeed. And that was the important thing. And do you find that the same when you do uh, hypnotherapy with somebody? That Absolutely. Absolutely, George. Now, you know, things have come a long way since the time of Dr. Simon. And remember, he was a, um, uh, you know, he was a specialist in, um, you know, what they call post-traumatic stress disorder. Right. Shell shock. He was, was, he, was B- he was PTSD before there was PTSD. Yes, yes he was. He was just P. <laughs> That's right. But uh, he was, uh, uh, so in his perspective, you know, he, in his work with Betty and Barney, you know, he did some things that today would not be considered good therapeutic practice. And, and all apologies to, to Dr. Benjamin Simon. I think he was really he, he didn't know. No, he didn't know. What, in fact, one of the interesting things, George, is when he worked with Betty and Barney, uh, in order to, I suppose, keep their, their various uh, remembrances or recalled memories from, from cross-polluting, he worked with them separately. He worked with them individually. That's right. And, you know, at the end of the session, what he would do, uh, and this is the part that would not happen now, he actually, you know, told Betty and Barney to now resuppress the memories. And you won't have any memory of what we talked about, hmm. you know, throughout the day. And so, you know, this is, you know, my my thing is that I'm I'm here to help these people get in touch with happen with what happened, process their experiences, and uh, and if it's indicated, you know, accept their new uh, status as a very special person. 
Well, then, by interviewing them uh, and by putting them under hypnotherapy separately, mm-hmm. he was trying to see if the stories gelled. Exactly. He was trying to keep their stories from, you know, from being polluted in any way. From, from each other. sharing information. I, I, the, the, the aim was excellent, but unfortunately it's, it's, uh, it's very unhealthy to uncover memories and then stuff them back in. Leslie, as we roll into this, of course, and I want to talk about Intersections, the book you wrote with Wes Roberts, the experience itself overall is being done to these individuals. Have you concluded why it's happening to them? Well, George, I think we have a number of things going on, and I also believe that we have many, many species that are engaging with us. And I think at this present time, much of what is happening, you know, at least from what I'm seeing, uh, upwards of 90% are positive experiences uh, that people are having. And um, now, I, you, you have interviewed many people who have been involved in some of the more negative aspects of the ET contact uh, phenomena, which occurred right after Roswell. And I think that during that time period, and and much of this has been written about brilliantly in in Philip Corso's book, The Day After Roswell, where he talks about, you know, how the technology was, uh, how the ET technology from that particular group of greys that were uh, involved in the Roswell crash, they made a deal with, you know, Truman and various other, um, probably the Joint Chiefs Chiefs of Staff, to exchange technology for... uh, for as the as the ETs put it, a very very tiny tiny amount of the human population uh, from which they need to take genetic material, and uh, I think that this this agreement, at least according to Philip Corso and various other people, this agreement with Truman and this particular group of Greys uh, expired some years ago. So now, um, if I do hear about these traumatic events or frightening events where sperm or ova are taken from the individual or in some cases, you know, women are implanted with uh, embryos that are then removed. All of this stuff um, really hasn't happened for about 10 years or maybe longer. So um, the, those terrible experiences I'm hearing about less and less. Absolutely. It's just bizarre, though, isn't it? Yes. In the, yes. Im- the implants and things like that. What would you say, no names mentioned, was the most bizarre case you've had when you put somebody under? Well, I think that, uh, wow, they all, they, <laughs> it's hard. They're all strange. It's hard to determine most, I suppose. Um, I think one of the most interesting things that, that has ha- I, I'm going to say, rather than bizarre, I'm going to say interesting, is uh, you know, in, in the book Intersections, I, I had the great advantage of working with one experiencer for many, many sessions, 40-plus sessions over a couple of years. And, um, and what would occur with that individual during sessions is is he would tend to physicalize, and this is very hard to imagine, he would tend to physicalize one of the ETs that he communicated with on a very regular basis, who was tall and slender. And as I was 
watching him in, you know, under hypnosis and monitoring him and all of these things that I do, I would actually see um, um, his body expand and almost morph into this other being. And he would explain that that was, you know, for my benefit, it was like an overlay that, that they're able to do that. So um, anything that involves, um, uh, I guess, physical transformation, uh, uh, when things physicalize, that certainly takes me by surprise. Of, of 10 people that they claim that they may have been abducted, of 10 people, that, that, yes. uh, and let's say you've put them all under. Yes. How many would you say are actually delusional? Um, well, by the time by the time individuals get to me, um, it's often what I would call like a last chance Texaco. You know, they've been through, they've examined their health, they've been to traditional psychologists. That's most often the case when they, by the time they come to me, they are exhausted, and part of it is. Why would someone put themselves through this if this wasn't a bona fide experience? Right. So I would say that. What do they gain? Yes. What did, What is there? What is there for them to gain when we see the ruined lives of you know what Travis Walton and what happened to Betty and Barney? What is the gain? Well, the reason they they come to me is they fear for their own sanity, but also. They just want to know. And, George, we are, I think this is something that may baffle the ETs. I think we are far more curious than uh, we have qualities that are the result of our, you know, combined DNA or however we evolved on this planet. And we are incredibly curious people. And it's my personal belief that um, no memory blocks can last forever including the ones that have been created, you know, by the Secret Space Program and been used on our friends like Corey Good and Randy Kramer. The, I, I think that eventually, because of our nature, no memory can be suppressed forever. And uh, hmm. so, you know, the genuine experiencers, when they, when they come to me, which I would say out of 10 has to be upwards of, you know, 80%. Uh, so eight out of eight out of two. So when they come to me, they usually present with missing time. In other words, chunks of amnesia or pieces of events, uh, visions, um, you know, elements of strangeness, and they're trying to put these things together. And when they finally, when I get them under, and we get back to where the events have begun, people finally begin, the experiencers begin to understand that they are not insane, that they have, they have been experiencing something of... They're relieved, aren't they? But they're not insane. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.